Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you pull them out? And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 today. I've got about 25 minutes to share a message as part of our Living in the Spirit series. How many people were here last Sunday to hear Pastor Allison's message on the motivational gifts? It was a comedy show, was it? <laughs> so enjoyed that. Um, and before I start, actually, can I just check, is the sound okay out there or is it just up here? Yep, we're all good out there? Okay, good. Um, last week, Pastor Allison spoke on the motivational gifts from Romans chapter 12. Next Sunday, Pastor Scott will be ministering on the manifestation gifts, that's the gifts of the Spirit. Well, today I'm going to be speaking on the ministry gifts, the five-fold ministry of Jesus that is imparted into the church. And that comes from Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read, if we can, from Ephesians 4. I want to go from verse 4 all the way through to probably 16 in the New Living Translation, thanks. And let's read together. Before we do, keep in mind this, that when Paul writes this letter to a group of Christians, he's not just writing to leaders, he's writing to believers. He's writing to people like you and to me. And so this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Stop there for a second. Who gave the gifts? Who gave the gifts? Jesus gave the gifts. That's really important. Note this. It's Jesus himself that gives the gifts. It says in verse 9. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to the world. And the same one who descended into the... The same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. I love that. But then it says this, verse 11, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Let's read the next few verses. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. 
It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can we quickly pray? Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from your spirit who has equipped your church. And we ask, Lord, that our hearts are soft and open for your direction and impartation. And all of God's people said, Amen. This is really quite an interesting passage here. And because of time, I'm going to focus on two points here that, that we've just read. Okay, There were gifts that were given from who? Jesus gives the gifts. The first thing, if you're taking notes, is that the gifts that Jesus gives are gifts are the people. That's the first thing. The gifts of the people. The gifts of the people. We can focus on the five gifts that, that were mentioned here, and we will. The apostle, the um, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Okay. And pull out, if you can, pull out your hand. All the kids, pull out your hand like this, would you? Like this. Pull your hand out. Yeah, you can pull out your hand. Okay, so there are five fingers. Here's an illustration that helps me remember the apostle. The thumb is like the apostle. The, the, the apostle helps kind of connect the other four and helps bring about a grip. That's the apostle. The prophet is like a pointer finger. It gives direction. It points. It's like the prophet. The, the evangelist, um, the one that has the longest reach, the one that gathers the evangelists. The evangelists tend to get the middle finger from time to time, that I can tell you. Uh, the, uh, the ring finger. Um, my daughter took my ring finger about six years ago and she lost it. Cute little darling. She's probably so so sold it on eBay, I reckon. She's so the ring finger, the pastor, is like a married to the people. There is a connection and a love for the people. There is a commitment to the people. And the little one, the pinky, is like the teacher that brings balance to the church brings balance so the lord jesus gives gifts to his people and what's interesting about this is that jesus himself is is all of these there is no greater uh, apostle than jesus you know that don't you he is the chief apostle believe it or not uh, hebrews tells us that um, hebrews uh, chapter 3 says that he is the chief apostle Hebrew, and because of time, I'm going to swiftly go through this. Hebrews one refers to Jesus as the prophet, the one who has spoken even through the prophets. There is no one that is a greater prophet than Jesus. What about the evangelist? Who was the one that came to the earth to seek and save that which is lost? In Luke chapter uh, nineteen, there is no greater um, uh, teacher. Than Jesus, I, the Pharisees knew this. The scribes and the Pharisees mention this in John. Um, uh, we can see that very clearly. John chapter nine. He is the great teacher, and he's also the he is the amazing pastor. He is the shepherd, the good shepherd. John chapter ten refers to this. So when Jesus gives of these gifts, he is giving of himself. He is all of these five gifts within himself. And what he does is he empowers, he equips the church, God's family, with other people that have these gifts. And notice that the purpose, the purpose is for maturity. So the people are the gifts, but the purpose is maturity. 
Jesus doesn't give these gifts just to say, all right, I'm just going to allow you to be able to prophesy, to be able to teach, to be able to pastor. The purpose is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Let's go back and see what it says. Verse 11, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and the teacher. Verse 12, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete stature of Christ. I love that. So catch this. The Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, He comes into our world. God puts skin on. The Creator becomes His creation. He comes, descends into our world. He incarnates in the flesh. He, 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 he becomes as we are. And He ascends. He receives authority. And as He ascends, He gives gifts to people. And those people become gifts to the church so for people around the place that say I am an anointed apostle I am an anointed prophet I am an anointed evangelist I am an anointed pastor I am an anointed teacher have a guess what if you're anointed to be one of those people you are anointed to give up yourself to the church it's not just that you get to tell people what to do you get to give up your life the people that carry those mantles we're not just talking uh, we would have heard last week about people that can prophesy or people that can teach yes we have those proclivities because we have Jesus and we have his spirit we can do those things but this is something particularly different this is a mantle that God puts on some people and the people that carry these mantles are given to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So it's not just the work of these five people that gets all the ministry done. The purpose of these gifts are to equip us to get Jesus' ministry done. So my question to you is, do you like listening to the prophets more than the evangelists? Or the pastors more than the teachers? How are you wired? I found myself from time to time through my life only wanting to, uh, when I'm in a prophetic mood or a prophetic season of my life, I just want to gravitate toward the prophets. Let's just hear what the Lord's saying. Let's just see what he's doing. Or if I'm in a season where I'm wanting to win the lost at whatever the cost, I just want to hang around the evangelists because, oh, that's really lighting up my fire at the moment to win the lost and see people saved. What about times of my life where I just want to get into the Word and all I do is expose myself to solid teaching and great teachers? Well, what Jesus is saying is He wants us to be exposed to all five. Even if someone rubs us up the wrong way. We'll talk about that in a little while. Shall we talk a little bit more about those five? Let's talk about the apostles. Let's talk about the apostles. What does an apostle do well the first thing the apostles govern apostles govern apostles are um, essentially ones who are sent that's what it means 
Originally coming from the Greek, this word is connected to uh, being an ambassador, being part of an envoy, that, that someone who had authority would send someone on their behalf to go and bring a message to establish, to act on the, um, the authority of the one who has sent that, that person. Apostles then are, are people that have an anointing from God to establish to oversee and to exercise God's authority over his people. They are called to equip God's people to establish and extend his kingdom in all spheres of influence. Now, when you're given a gift, that gift tells you about something about the person that's given that gift. Anyone enjoy giving gifts here in the room? Yeah. Anyone like receiving gifts? I'm not receiving gifts, I'll be honest with you. When you go to the shops, look online, and you're looking for a gift for someone, it says a lot about you. It says a lot about you, the giver. And that's the same thing with Jesus. When he gives us gifts, it tells us about him. So what does... When Jesus gives apostleship to the church, what does that tell us about God? That tells us that God cares about order. He cares about authority in your life. If there is disorder in your life and if there is chaos, you've got to know something. The Lord Jesus is attracted to you and he wants to do something there. He wants to bring about some order. And that's the same case for the church. There are sections of parts of God's church and it's messy and it can be a little bit chaotic sometimes. Lord Jesus, let us be aware of apostleship and good governance. Help us there. Let's not shy away from it. And apostles can get you a little bit upset sometimes because they come in to bring order. An apostle casts God's vision and keeps it burning before the churches and ministries they oversee. They recognize, raise up and release fivefold ministers into ministry. And they're often a spiritual mother or father with governing authority and an anointing to regions or nations as Jesus appropriates that. What are some examples in the Bible of an apostle? Okay, uh, yell, you, you can yell out me now. Yell at me now. <clears throat> Give me an example of an apostle in the Bible. Paul, good. Very good, yeah. Galatians 1 tells us that Paul is an apostle. He's a servant of Jesus. Um, in our church community, in, in maybe in the city, you, you might be aware of apostles um, across the earth. Uh, a, a guy that, that I, for many years, have gone to, that I believe has an apostolic mantle, is David Storer, Pastor David Storer. Uh, he's a friend of mine. Um, in our church community, I believe Bob Stevenson carries this apostleship. He has been sent um, from the UK, he went over to Malaysia, he was a missionary there, he's planted numerous churches overseas and was a previous church pastor here in Perth of this very church, Pastor Bob Stevenson. That's the apostle. The second one is the prophet. The prophet. The prophet's a guide. If apostles govern, then prophets guide. They are the ones who are kind of like the, the body's eyes and ears and then speak. They have an anointing to communicate insight and foresight to God's people. Insight is the ability to understand the root issues in situations, the root issues of people's motivations and God's inspiration, and then they declare it. Foresight is the ability to see into the future and declare it. So prophets, um, 
tell us something about God as well, that God cares about revealing His heart and plans to you and directing you forward. God cares about speaking to you. He cares about showing you things. He cares about that. He cares about you knowing what's to come. And He cares about His family, His community, His church, His body, knowing His heart. And He appoints prophets to help reveal that to us. Pay attention for those that are prophets. They encourage, they guide, they correct, they rebuke the body. Anyone been under the rebuke of a prophet before? Hello? In the Old Testament, there are prophets. Now, give me an example of a prophet. Elijah, who? Yep, who else? Jeremiah, there are plenty of prophets in the Bible and God used them to declare and to speak clearly and sometimes the prophets weren't all these nice, encouraging, fluffy words. Sometimes it was a smack up the side of the head. When a prophet speaks, it's not just to make you feel good. That's not God's purpose. It it is sometimes to encourage you, but at times God's prophets come to give you a loving smack. Hebrews tells us that the Lord, as a father, corrects those that he loves. And he often does that through prophets. So if someone comes and they prophesy and you don't like what they've got to say, submit it to God and see what the Holy Spirit's saying about it. Otherwise, we just we become a, 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 a group of believers that enjoy a bit of ear tickling. Prophets tend to work alongside apostles to bring balance between vision and direction. Some examples of prophets, uh, um, a friend of mine, Pastor Corey Turner, we've had a minister in our church before, he's a prophet. Um, Another prophet example uh, would be Russell Sage. We've had him minister in the church before. How many have heard of Russell Sage before? Yep, clear prophet. He'd call himself probably a prophetic evangelist. I'd agree there. Second thing, so if we have apostles who govern and we have prophets who guide, we have evangelists who gather. Evangelists tend to gather. They have an anointing to proclaim the gospel with clarity and conviction. Clarity and conviction. They equip God's people to share the gospel in a way that bridges heaven and earth. What does this tell us about God? This tells us that God cares about people knowing Him in real and powerful ways. There's something about an evangelist that imparts passion into the believer. Sometimes they they, they minister and preach in a way that can be a little bit confronting. But they tend to inspire you with passion. How many people have sat under an evangelist before and you felt, man, I've got to save my school. I've got to save my university. I'm going to save my workplace. I'm going to turn it upside down. After you hear an evangelist under the unction of the Holy Spirit, there is something in you that just wants to get going. Evangelists have this amazing ability to gather people too. Anyone who can think about an evangelist in the Bible? In the Bible. He is. Billy Graham is an evangelist, yes. But what about from the Bible? Philip, exactly. Philip was an evangelist. John the Baptist can be an evangelist too. Philip from Acts chapter 21 talks about that. Yeah, absolutely. In our church community, we've got some. We had one up on the stage before, I believe, his evangelist, Tom Locker. Right? He just wants to see people saved. Let's get them saved. (laughs) Who cares if they don't know the Bible? Get them saved. No, that's not what he's like at all. That's not what he's like at all. 
Brett Gaffney, Pastor Brett Gaffney. An anointing to see people saved. Reinhard Bonnke. I love Reinhard Bonnke. The late, great Reinhard Bonnke. I see a blood-washed Africa. That was Reinhard Bonnke used to say that famously. If evangelists gather, then pastors guard. Pastors guard. Pastors they care for. They love on you. They have an anointing to tend to and take care of God's people. In the Bible, the pastor can be synonymous with like an elder, an overseer as well. God cares about you and your well-being. He wants you looked after. That's why he gives pastors to the church to take care and to equip us and challenge us and inspire us to take care of one another. A pastor supernaturally draws people to themselves for counsel, support and love. They impart the desire to nurture and encourage the body of Christ. And they impart supernatural healing from time to time to the emotionally and spiritually wounded. A pastor, a pastor, a pastor. How many people can think about a pastor in the Bible? Peter was a, a, a pastor. He said, do the work. He said, oversee, to take care of people. As well as an apostle, he was a pastor. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1 is an example of that. What about in our, in, our, in our church community? We also had Alison Pendergrass. She's a pastor in the house, isn't she? The way she takes care of people. When I hear the, about the, what she's doing for people and nurturing people, I even question if I even like people when I'm hearing her stories. I'm like, man, alive, I feel so convicted here. <laughs> How am I a pastor? Pastor Danny Guglamucci is a pastor. He's got a pastoral anointing. He is a gift to the church. The way that he loves people. You get him talking about people, he just weeps. Like, man, you really do love people. I need Jesus. Final one is teacher. So if we have the apostles govern, the prophets guide, if we have the evangelists gather, we have the Pastors who ground, excuse me, we have the pastors who guard, there we go, thank you, someone's paying attention. The teachers ground, it's the teachers who ground, the teachers ground. They have an anointing to feed and instruct God's people. They love to equip God's people to clearly know and expound on God and His Word. And this tells us that God cares about you knowing and believing what is true. Not just what you think. You know, you don't have to believe everything you think. Everything that goes into your head, you don't have to believe that. Believe what's true. Think on what is true and believe those things. God cares about that. A teacher encourages understanding and the ability to divide truth from error or deception to the body of Christ. They train and equip others to lead the body of Christ biblically. A teacher supernaturally brings God's truth to Christians through speech, written word and lifestyle. Can anyone think of any teachers in the Bible? In Acts chapter 18, we can see Apollos is a teacher. He's, he's called a teacher there. 
in our church community. I reckon Pastor Scott Jones has this anointing. He's a great teacher. You should sit, him, you should, you should sit down with him in the Bible and really let him rip. It's really interesting because I remember I was at Bible college. I think we were at Table back then. And Pastor Scott Jones was fitting spas. He wasn't on staff. He wasn't paid in the church. He didn't have any leadership role. But we would sit in class. I remember we were probably sitting in a, uh, I think it was an either intro to Christian theology or Christology, one of those classes. And he came in and he came in his yellow fluoro vest, spa fitting vest. And he probably lasted three or four sessions and he never came back. He says, I can't take this. I don't understand a thing. But can you see what God does with somebody? <laughs> he eventually did several years of Bible college after that, after God really got a hold of him. And now he's been teaching people the Bible since. Isn't it interesting what God can do with a surrendered soul? A teacher has this innate ability to get complex truths, make it sound so simple to the people that hear it. Pastor Scott has one of those abilities. I kind of also listen to other ones, uh, maybe John Piper, uh, Tim Keller, a noted Bible teachers, and um, David Jeremiah, another great Bible teacher. With all of these gifts that God gives to the church, the good news is He wants us to grow up. That's the purpose. Turn to your neighbour and say, would you just grow up? Grow up. Just grow up. Some of you have been saying that to your spouse for years now. Now you've got some biblical precedents. Grow up, would you? So Jesus gives these gifts of himself to help us grow up. And how do we know we're growing up? What does growing up mean? It means becoming like Jesus. Becoming more Christ-like. The full measure to full maturity, to completion in Christ. How do you know if you're growing up? You're becoming more like Jesus. And you can't live and grow and move in the Spirit without Jesus Himself helping you. And so His ultimate design for you is that you would become like Jesus. Which means you're going to be challenged. It's not going to be easy sometimes. Romans 8 tells us that we were predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. We were predestined to become like Jesus. God's great plan for your life is not just heaven. It's maturity. It's Christ-likeness. It's your character to develop, to become more like Him. And you can't become like Jesus without other people around about you. That's why He didn't just give evangelists to the church. He didn't just give prophets to the church. It's fivefold. We all need one another. Can you imagine a church community where all we're doing is we're focusing on the prophets? And the prophets are prophesying and they're declaring and the pastors are like, hey, stop shaking it up, would you? We're going to love on people here. Or if the church is full of pastoring and loving people, but the prophet's like, hey, hang on a second, we've got to shake it up and mix it a bit. What about evangelists? If the church was just only about evangelism and all we do, oh, we're going to win the lost, whatever cost, we're going to see people saved because they're going to hell. And the teacher's like, whoa, 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 hold your horses, baby. They, they, we, we've, got to, we've got to know what the Bible says. And the up. 
Just get out there. Who cares about your theology? The only theology that matters is that Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. Go win, people. That would be very one-dimensional, wouldn't it? So the Lord wants maturity in his church. And for maturity to happen, he has apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And all five are required. So my submission to you, family, is this. Do your best to seek out, either personally or either online, get some sermons, download, ask the Holy Spirit to show you, to expose you to someone that's going to rough you up the wrong way in a good way. What do we do with these? This fivefold conversation. Number one, thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've given a multifaceted approach and commitment to my development. Second thing, appreciate the diversity of others, that not everybody is like you. Not everybody's, and praise God for that. (laughs) And the third thing is this, grow up. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you grow up and become like Jesus, as painful as it might be. Lord Jesus, help us grow up. Can we pray together as we finish? Father, we thank you for the ministry here of your spirit through your word. And I ask, Lord, we all do today, we ask that you would help us to become like Jesus. Help us become like Jesus. We want to be moved from glory to glory. We understand at times um, we can miss out on one aspect because we favour another. But Lord, help us work with your spirit, to move in your spirit, to walk by your spirit and live in your spirit. That we would be well-rounded believers. Well-rounded believers. We thank you, Father, that you have given us, through your Son, apostles, and prophets, and evangelists, and pastors, and teachers. I thank you, Father, for a church, not just Ellenbrook Grace Life, but your church in this nation to appreciate fivefold ministry. And we thank you for the fivefold to continue to be strengthened even in this very house. We thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.